In Israel, negotiations to form a coalition government under former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu are dragging on. Whatever the final form is, this new government's likely to be far more conservative than any in recent memory, and that makes the idea of statehood for the Palestinian people an ever-receding dream. Reconciling the desire for an independent state with the personal cost of that fight is at the heart of my next guest's work. It's a moving uh, personal account, but it also outlines the plight, you could say, of a moderate man in the midst of political turmoil. Lawyer and author Raja Shahada has written several books exploring what life's like for Palestinians living in the occupied territories. His latest is about his father. It's especially personal, Aziz Shahada, who was also a lawyer and advocate for the Palestinian cause. It's called We Could Have Been Friends, My Father and I. Welcome to Raja Shahada from Ramallah. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. What... Did you know about your father and your family before you wrote this book? I mean, from your childhood and as a young man, um, what memories did you have of him? Well, I had more memories of my grandmother who, who, and mother who, who, who were very articulate and spoke a lot about their life in Jaffa and, and the miseries of the Nakbe. My father was not like that. He, he always looked forward and, and didn't look back. And, and he was involved so much with politics and with legal cases, which were uh, always giving him a hard time because he went against the regime in Jordan and, and, and Israel and so on. Mm. And uh, I, I felt a little distant and uh, didn't want to pursue and his, his uh, news and his cases until uh, it's changed recently. And, and you were forced to, and we'll get to that. In fact, what you say, and it's incredibly moving, I think, is that there was almost a culture of forgetting in your life. You you, you couldn't remember lots about him. You, 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 it, it, was, it was almost as if you sort of blocked it out, you know, his time away, his time in prison, his cases, and so on and so forth. It seems to, that seems to really be it's a small agony, I think, of yours to, to now recall that. Absolutely, absolutely, because he, he, he did many heroic things. So he was, for example, taken to this desert prison in the Jaffer, very harsh conditions. And when he came back, I don't remember the, the encounter and he was exiled for about three years, and I don't remember the encounter. And it's as if I blamed him all the time for, for leaving us and for being so involved. And that's because I took my mother's side. My mother always felt that it, their life would have been better if he had stayed away from politics. And I think I took her side and, and blocked a lot of my father's mem memories and, and uh, feeling good about him. Your family was, as you say, forced to leave your home in Jaffa in 1948 when Israel was formed and to live in Ramallah, which was pretty undeveloped, as you say, uh, then, um, all before you were born. How, how did that affect your father and your whole family and relationships in the household? Uh, they, they were well off and prosperous in Jaffa and came to Ramallah having lost everything and, and becoming uh, destitute really and, and with no money to, to, to live on and so on. And so my father had to work very hard to, to rebuild everything. But the thing is that when I was writing the book, I tried to place myself in my father's shoes and uh, to, to, to try and feel 
how he must have related to the fact that uh, the Palestine he knew was being divided and, and lost. And then I realized that many of his experiences in that regard are similar to mine, because I'm also watching how Palestine and the West Bank is being lost to Israel through the settlements. Mm. And, and so I saw, saw means of getting together that I had never en envisaged before. So when your mother handed over this filing cabinet to you, this is the crucial moment, isn't it? When your life changed, really, with your father's papers in it. Well, you didn't go through it straight away. You, you again declined to do so. What then inspired you to start to read what he'd written? It was actually uh, somebody had given me the telephone directory of uh, Jaffa Tel Aviv in 1947. I looked at this uh, old document and saw that my father's name and my grandfather's name, who was a judge in Jaffa, were there. And I realized that all that life that they had led in Jaffa had been denied. And, and I felt I needed to write about it and, and, and uh, uh, evoke it. And at the same time, another person gave me a booklet, which he found in a, a little bookstore opposite the uh, uh, British Museum in London. Uh, for old books, and it was a, a publication that my father had done in 1936. It was called ABC of the Palestinian Case. I, I read it, and I thought I was so enthralled by, by the clarity and the articulation that he had then of the case. And then I thought, why didn't he ever show me this booklet? Mm -hmm. Now is it that I never knew about it? And so I started investigating more and more and realized that I had a treasure trove in these uh, documents that he that he had left, and he had left them very carefully uh, organized and and filed and and uh, clear and so on. And so I started exploring and finding more and more about his life and his work, and and I started writing the book. Because you disagreed in a way as a young man with your father's work, his very legalistic approach, very punctilious approach. Do you think it now it was a rejection of him personally because of all those years he'd spent away working or, or was it something else? I think it was partly that and partly because he, he, his politics was very unpopular. He had called for a Palestinian state immediately after 67, which was rejected by all sides. And, and he suffered very much for it. And I saw how much he suffered for his politics. And, and anyway, I wanted to uh, take myself away from his uh, uh, image and, and, and his power over me. And so I was pursuing really the same track that he had pursued of human rights and, and uh, service for the Palestinian people and so on, and didn't realize that we were on, on the same uh, track. And, and it, it, it was amazing that I didn't realize this. And even to the point that he had signed one of his uh, articles that he wrote in, 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 in the 70s, Samid, which means the perseverant one, the one who perseveres. And, and I had also uh, uh, described myself in, in my first publication, The Third Way, as Samid. And he never pointed this out, and I never knew this. And so we were not only on the same track, but having the same ideas and the same articulation even, and Did, didn't know it. How amazing. Do you think he knew it? Do you think he was quietly very proud of it? I think, of course, he knew it, and he didn't want to tell me, and perhaps he didn't want to make me feel that I'm not being original and, and so on. So it was an act of kindness on his part, I think, now. Hmm. 
You had been practising as a lawyer for decades when your father was murdered. What do you remember from that time? What do you now know about how he was murdered? Well, it it was a very difficult time for me when he was murdered because it destroyed my world in a way and, and destroyed the possibility that we would get closer together as time went on. What date was that, I, by the way, exactly? Uh, 85. 1985, yeah. And I uh, I was devastated and and uh, uh, didn't know what to do, but I thought the only thing to do was to help the Israeli police pursue the case, the investigation. And I did everything I could for years and years and years. And it, we were getting nowhere. And then I realized only much, much later that the police had closed the file and didn't tell us that they had closed the file. And so even today, after 37 years, we have we are pursuing a case against the police for to, to expose the file and give us access to it. And the police continue to refuse, saying that they have to protect the collaborators and the identity of the and the privacy of the suspect. Well, because and Israel originally said he'd been murdered by a Palestinian from the PLO, and we'll come to that in a moment. Um, but then you did discover that it was actually it was a Palestinian man, but he was a collaborator with Israel. Is that right? Exactly, exactly. And and I wrote about all this agony of the investigation in an earlier book called Strangers in the House. And uh, many readers have thought that this would be a repeat, but of course, there, uh, that, that is not the case at all, because that that book was about the investigation mm. and uh, and about my feelings about the investigation. And, and this is something else entirely. Well, I think it is. Um, I mean, there's some very poignant moments. I just want to quote from one of parts of your book. I was sure we were moving, always moving towards the ultimate happy family and that one day we would all live in harmony. But then he died and I had to wake up from my fantasy to face the godlessness of my world. There was not enough time for the rebellion and the dream. I was alone. There was no second act and no stage manager. So these were really profound moments of confrontation with self, wasn't it? Weren't they? Absolutely, absolutely. And and I realised that I had... It's also partly that now that I'm growing older, I realise what it means to be... My, my father died in his, when he was 73 years old, and I'm now 71, so it's, I'm close to that age of his. And I realise now how unsympathetic I was to his old age, to, to, to what happens to a man at, at that age. And I uh, didn't uh, show respect and show uh, kindness and so on. And I always thought it would happen in time. But then, of course, it didn't happen because he was murdered. Um, do you have a view, by the way, of why he was murdered ultimately? I mean, what was the, what was the there was a complaint, wasn't there, between this man who'd been in prison and your father had pursued a case against him. You were always worried about it and you turned out your intuitions were right. Yes, this man was a, a, a squatter on the land belonging to the Anglican church near Hebron. And my father had taken the case to evict him. And this man wrote a letter from the prison warning my father that if he doesn't lift his hands off this case, he will kill him. And this uh, letter was with the police. And the fact is that uh, it was a great motive, of course. And of all the files that they discussed and investigated that, that we had been suspicious of, this was the only one that they didn't investigate, which made me 
feel more certain that it was because they were trying to protect this man who was a collaborator. Look, I did say in my intro that really it's the plight of a moderate. I got that strong sense. He was a man who believed in the rule of law and believed in um, trying to appeal to the rule of law, even in these exceptionally complex times. But he, he was hemmed in by everybody. Invariably, his projects were blocked by Israel, you write, um, when he and other colleagues worked on promoting a separate bar association from that of Jordan, which was paying a stipend to West Bank lawyers. Uh, their efforts were blocked by Jordan. When it wasn't Israel or Jordan who did the blocking, it was the PLO. The PLO prevented many of the vital projects that he wanted from succeeding, including those which Israel, after strenuous efforts on the part of the promoters, reluctantly approved. So he was just really in the middle, wasn't he? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and one of the amazing things about my father was that he believed so strongly that the only solution is to live together, the Palestinian nation and the Israeli nation. And he never wavered, never, never, ever wavered from this dream. And at the end of the book, I have this discussion with him over the fact that Israel might have won and, and we have failed. And he says, no, the victory is when we both win. Do you think there's any chance of that now? Well, I think there will be a chance because Israel, although on the face of it is winning, is also losing because they are now, uh, they have a government of the right, extreme right wing, which is not going to go well with them in the world. And, and so... And also, it's not nice and it's not a happy thing to, for Israelis to live under uh, fascism and, and, and extreme racism and, and be uh, looked upon by the world as, as racist. And this is happening more and more so. And so, in a way, their victory is not a real victory. Their only victory is when, when they give the, admit the rights of the Palestinians and, and we live together. So, yes, I think he was right. We'll see. <laughs> Raja Shahada, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. My pleasure. Raja Shahada, his book is called We Could Have Been Friends, My Father and I. It's distributed by Profile Books here in Australia. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.